grit, hustle, and passion, the key ingredients to an entrepreneur's staying power. Get your weekly inspiration with today's story. We have the entrepreneur behind Clava app, the app designed to help influencers get paid. Oh, it's been a journey. Have a listen. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives, the show that's made for Christian entrepreneurs. We're going to talk about everything from faith to business principles to profitability to strategy to tactics to self-care. If you need it, we'll talk about it. I'm your host, Priscilla Shumba. Without wasting any more time, let's dive into our conversation. We have a very exciting guest today. We have AJ Picard, and he is a designer and entrepreneur with tons of experience building mobile apps and websites. AJ, thank you for joining us today. And could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself just to get us started? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm currently living in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I own my own software development studio, but also pushing my own startup called Clava. And I uh, love, love basketball, love everything related to basketball, love everything related to tech. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on the show. Well, thanks for coming on. I feel like this is the perfect time to have you on because... Mm-hmm. Everybody is thinking about mobile apps in terms of, you know, entrepreneurship. Most of us are not technical people looking at the space of mobile apps. Share with us how you got into this space and how you became an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I was a kid growing up, I was a huge gamer. My dad was obsessed with uh, everything related to Apple. So I was always around Apple. And then as I got into high school and college, uh, the app store finally got invented. iPhones were coming out. And I was really intrigued with just like the design around Apple products, uh, what they were doing marketing wise. And I started just, you know, becoming more and more obsessed with them. And then uh, in college, while I was playing basketball, I was since I was also a gamer, I decided to create an app that helped gamers kind of discover new games that were coming out for their platforms. Because originally at the time, you had to wait for a magazine that came every month. And I was like, you know, with the app store out, you know, maybe I can... I can build something cool here. So I did that for a couple of years and then I was able to get like a couple thousand people in there. But then, uh, you know, I was funding it myself, college student, had to like eventually just shut it down. I then went into sales right after college and I wanted to see if I could sell because, you know, my mom was an entrepreneur as well. And my stepmom was an entrepreneur and my, my dad was also an entrepreneur. And, you know, I wanted to become one as well. So they always said, like, if you can't sell, it's going to be very hard, you know, to get a business by yourself off the ground. And so with that being said, I wanted to see if I could sell and I was able to. And after two years there, I decided to kind of take that leap of just becoming a full-time entrepreneur around just you know, mobile apps itself, I had an idea. And the idea I was pushing was like this new social media app actually is the first version of the app I'm pushing right now It's called Clava. And along that journey, when I first started, I really fell in love with like the design aspect of apps and everything related to user experience, like user interface, how a user walks through an app or how to get them to understand or navigate throughout the app. And so from 2018 to 2000, you know, late 2019, I really just dove into designing 101, just becoming a mobile app designer, becoming a website designer. And then I, you know, pretty much integrated those skills in the Clava along the way. And then in 2020 was when I, I decided to create my own kind of software development studio. I had a lot of friends asking me to design their websites, design some of the app ideas they had. And then I started realizing like I could make even more money if I learned how to build these products. And I could also help with uh, building my own startup as well. So I started diving into products that, you know, like no code products that allow you to 
build the products you have in mind without coding. And then I also started to learn how to code as well. So the past couple, like I'd say three to four years has been a lot of just like staying, staying afloat, you know, allowing myself to continue to work full time on what I love doing, learning a ton, iterating, pivoting, and then to where I'm at now where I can design and code. My startup's in a really pivotal aspect of its journey where we have a chance to really make some noise here and get some traction. And, you know, I think it's just mainly learning as much as you can along this journey. Journey. So that's what that's pretty much where I'm at now and how I dove into apps and, and, and all those things. I just really always want to have a product that people use. That's just been a dream of mine. So I'm hoping this is it. It's really exciting. Well, congratulations yeah. on Thank you. launching your new app. Mm-hmm. I have checked it out and it's pretty amazing. I'm going to have to have you dive into it for us. Yeah. Uh, before I do that, I just want to go back to what you've just told us because you said you just started building apps. How does someone just start to build an app? Yeah, well, so first you want to start from, I did the opposite. I didn't do it the right way. Um, I started with, you know, more advanced languages to start because I, I was just naive to learning how to code. So if you're really looking to learn how to code, you should start from the basics, which is just deciding what you want to do with your skill set. So if it's mobile apps or if it's websites, you know, I would always start with the basic languages, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. If you learn those and get really good with them, you'll you'll be able to really easily learn how to develop mobile apps. But again, this process takes a while. This isn't something that you can get through within a month. It's a lot of researching, learning, doing things yourself. But then that's also why I really like the no-code space that's kind of growing right now, where there's a lot of platforms and software that you can use to actually build legitimate apps and put them in the app store. I just published one for our client last week and I didn't code one thing. And then uh, there's also website builders as well that don't require you to have any coding knowledge. It's like almost like a Wix. I know a lot of people have heard of Wix and like WordPress and, and Square and all these other sites. But the more popular ones, the more advanced ones are like Webflow. That's what I used to build all their websites. So you literally don't code anything. You just it's a lot of drag and drop. So it all depends on what you're trying to do when you're diving into learning how to code. Honestly, that's a whole new world to me. And yeah. I think to a lot of our listeners, but really interesting. You spent two years learning how to sell. Mm-hmm. And that's an area where I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle because mm-hmm. we come up with ideas and want to market, but there's a hesitance to selling. And you sound like you were also a little bit kind of hesitant to selling too, were you? Mm-hmm. And how yeah, did you overcome yeah. that? Definitely, definitely. So uh, I've always been kind of like an extrovert, but I've never really had a sales job. So I was very nervous in that aspect because I didn't know where to start. Luckily, the company I was working for, I had had a great manager who was essentially holding my hand throughout the first year, trying to get me off the ground, giving me confidence, giving me tips on how to become a legitimate sales rep. At the end of the day, as a sales rep, you're essentially an entrepreneur. It's just that you're in a company. The company's really supporting you, but you're yelling a product. You're generating revenue. You're doing pretty much what a lot of entrepreneurs are going to be doing alone. And so the first year was a lot of just grinding, a lot of cold calls, a lot of no's, a lot of just like growing pains. And then that second year, you know, the first year I did it well, but that second year was a breakout year for me because, you know, I had the skill sets. I understood how to do things and I was getting more confident. It was just a lot of just learning how to talk to people really and to not force them to buy something. Instead, you want to learn more about the issue that person's having. And then I led with that. And then I tied it into what we could do to solve that issue. A lot of people resonate with that because they just don't want to deal with the ongoing problems they deal with every day. And at the time I was I was selling just audiovisual equipment, like conference room stuff, all that type of thing. And uh, a lot of people were just having trouble connecting to the TV or connecting to sound. And when I called them, it would just be a conversation. 
And then if they would give me the opportunity to come and introduce myself and tell them what we could do, you know, it usually ended up in a sale. So that's kind of just making it personal. Don't force anything. Mm, I think that's key. Don't force anything and don't force mm -hmm. people to buy anything. Solve mm -hmm. their problem for them. Uh, AJ, I'm very, very interested in this. I just want to know the story of Clava app. Okay. So Clava goes back to 2017. It was originally named Chad. And then I realized what Chad kind of means. It's obviously a, a negative meaning to it. I won't say it on the show here, but it essentially allowed people to chat with others in a specific location around them. So when you opened it up, it was just a map and you saw people around you and you could, you know, ping them and start chatting with them. And, you know, I launched that in 2018. I got a good amount of traction. I had like a thousand or 2000 users the first couple of months. We were doing really well. Then I got hacked. Our backend servers got hacked, like deleted all our analytics, ruined our server, set us back an insanely amount of time. Then I'd probably say that within the next year, it, it was a lot of us trying to build a community, which was super difficult, almost impossible to do with no funds. And I wasn't having any success raising funds. Uh, so I went through a couple of business accelerators, which uh, really opened my eyes to shaping your startup, not to focus on raising uh, around the funding and instead to focus your startup around building an actual business, which is something that I was not looking at because I was just obsessed with just getting some sort of fundraising money from investors. But in reality, I should have just been focusing on making this a legitimate app business, you know, from the get go, being able to make money and being able to sustain on our own. And so fast forward to 2020, I ended up having to completely pivot. And instead of focusing on this location based chat, I saw a need for influencers or talents, you know, people on Instagram that have massive communities to really hone in on a core, their core fans and to get money for interacting with their fans. So what Clava does is on Instagram and on TikTok, you can go live, right? Just do a live video stream like we're doing now and people can join and interact with you, but anyone can join that. And these talents don't get paid for that. And right now they're getting paid by businesses telling them, hey, promote this on, to your community. And what I saw was with Clava, we literally give them the opportunity to go live, just like on Instagram and TikTok and all these other platforms. But instead, only a thousand people can join and then they actually have to pay to join. So the goal of this is to create this exclusivity effect around this live that this town is having or doing. And so a use case scenario could be like you could go on Clava and you could do a 60 minute live. And this live could be a live on this recording right here of you doing like a podcast interview. And your fans would be able to get a sneak peek on like what it's like to actually do a live interview with someone else for your podcast. They're getting exclusive mm -hmm. content that they wouldn't be getting anywhere else and at a very reasonable, very reasonable rate. So in order for a user to join and get access to a live, they have to purchase what we call a time pass. They range from 15 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour. So if I purchase a 15-minute pass, you're, you're live here. I would be at, get access to your live for 15 minutes, and then I get kicked out because, again, only a 1,000 users can join. We want to give the opportunity for more users to join after I get kicked out. And that 15-minute pass is only $0.99. Cents. So we make it super affordable to join this exclusive lives that these talents are having. But then you're also getting access to content that, isn't anywhere else. And then these talents are getting what they want, the ability to interact with their core fans that are joining, and then they get paid. So that's pretty much what we're doing. And we're, uh, we're currently testing internally, looking to submit this week into the App Store. 
Wow. Amazing. That's actually a really, really brilliant. Um, the user case is absolutely amazing. I just finished this live launch with uh, Kelly Roach. It was like a free training. Nice. And she was talking about this exact user case where that exclusivity of having space with someone and getting information that you wouldn't get any other way and the power of being live mm-hmm. in terms of building your brand and building your business. So this is absolutely amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm listening to your story. And then when you told me that you were hacked and mm-hmm. lost a little bit of time there, that mm-hmm. sounds like that must have been a really big challenge along the road. Is it impossible to not get hacked? That's what I'm thinking. I don't know anything about hacking. Maybe you can just share with us a little bit. Yeah, we actually used a platform called Firebase, pretty common platform for backend servers for uh, uh, mobile apps. And, you know, we used it in every project and never had an issue. And unfortunately, we just got unlucky. And, you know, it wouldn't have been that bad if Google, who owns Firebase, had more support for these types of issues. I think I spent two months emailing the Google team about this issue. And those two months were mainly just trying for me trying to prove to them that I owned this account. And we might have in those two months might have exchanged five emails. So it was a very long drawn out process. Yeah. So we decided to leave there. And now we do everything on AWS, which is, again, a very common backend server infrastructure. And that's owned by Amazon. And we've had no problems with that. But I would just suggest making sure your passwords are secure, constantly changing them, just making sure you're not handing it out to people you don't know or you don't have on your team. But sometimes you just can't help it. So AJ, when you're saying hacked, what do you mean exactly? So like uh, somebody takes over your persona? Yeah, someone took over our account. We couldn't get in. They just deleted everything, unhooked everything. Mm. Yeah, Uh it was was tough. It was tough. A couple months of work that we put together, collected, and it was just, uh, it was definitely a huge setback for us because momentum was completely shot. Mm. I think it's interesting and it's really great that you share this because I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that you come up with, you know, they'll see you with Clever App on Apple and think mm-hmm. it was just an overnight, all of a sudden things were just amazing. And some of these hurdles that you re, you know come across along the way are part of entrepreneurship. Like, how did you get over that? And how did you and your team rebuild after that setback? Well, wow. Uh, so there was a lot of stuff, actually. That wasn't the only thing. I had a couple of developers actually screw me over uh, twice. I actually paid them a lump sum of money from my savings and they didn't do anything. That happened a little earlier before we developed the product, before I actually met my core team. And honestly, when that happened, it hurt. But the main goal was just to keep moving forward, right? And then when this issue happened, it hurt a little more because my original development team actually gave up on the on the product. And they were just saying how it was just too much. These two individuals that were on the team at the time were coders by day, like at their job. And then after they would come home and, and work on on Clava. And so it was a lot. And then we got hacked and then, you know, all this stuff happened. So we actually went our separate ways after that. And I was actually lost. Like I didn't know where, what to do because I couldn't code yet. My product was broken. I was running out of funds. So, you know, I was just really focused on how do I get out of this? And so the first thing I did was trying to find uh, new developers to help repair the product. The hack happened in like March, 2019. Fast forward to maybe November, 2019. I finally found someone to help me with the product. I was also running out of cash. So I had to sell my car, sold my car, gave me another, like, I would say seven months of runway. So bringing into 2020, this developer released an update 
for Clava and completely flopped, didn't do anything, completely failed. And uh, that update was in April of 2020. And then um, from April till July, I was just thinking, do I shut Clava down? Is this worth even doing? Do I go get another job? I'm running out of funds. And uh, that's when I decided to start my own software development studio. And I started getting clients. And uh, I actually rekindled with the original developer of Clava, who left me back in 2018. And uh, we decided to start building products together uh, through my software development studio. So I was using the funds to fund Clava in my life. And then we were repairing our relationship because we both went our separate ways. And then next thing I know, he's helping with Clava. And he's, you know, our CTO. And um, him and the other developer I brought on are working together to help, you know, push this next update. And uh, we're here where we're at now. And it's just a lot of just pushing through and finding ways to just keep going. I was charging like electric scooters. Like there's electric scooters in Baltimore. I was out to like 11 p.m., 12 a.m., sometimes one picking up like electric scooters, putting them in my car, bringing them upstairs to my apartment, charging them, getting up at six, putting them back outside in the city and then getting paid like four dollars a scooter. Like I, I, I just didn't have any money coming in and I didn't want to do a part time job because I, I felt like that was taken away from you know, me as an entrepreneur, like pushing this product and, and learning and just bettering myself. And so I was just trying to do any quick fixes for money I could. And that was, you know, now we're here still floating. Wow. That's an amazing story. And that's, you have learned so many lessons with Clava. It's valuable knowledge that you, mm-hmm. that you experienced and that you're sharing. Also, it speaks to your leadership, that ability to keep going and to be able to bring your team back. So kudos to you for that. And you're Thank really you. young. You look really young. I don't know. Yeah, I'm 28, you look young, so <laughs> yes. So this is a, it's an amazing story. And um, I do wish you all the success with uh, Clava app. Appreciate you know, I'm listening to you and I'm also thinking, you know, that space in between, I think a lot of entrepreneurs go that, that space in between where you have to make that decision of, okay, you've got this idea and you really believe in it and you really want to chase it. Funds are running out. You, you're you thinking to yourself, do I go get a job? But if I get a job, I can't focus on driving this forward. And But then I need money to keep myself going as well as to keep the project going. And really, what do I do? I think that's a critical mm-hmm. key moment and that ability to think of ways to make money Mm -hmm. i uh, i to unpack that would be a a lifetime to unpack that but i think that moment is the most valuable for entrepreneurs to really understand how did you Mm -hmm. wrap your mind around that Uh, most people it's like you go back and get a job and you lose your dream yeah 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 um i i was just honestly there was just opportunities that kind of fell in my lap. You know, a lot of this journey happened, you know, you need luck, right? I mean, luck plays a huge part in just, you know, being an entrepreneur, unfortunately. And to me, I was getting lucky. You know, I had my girlfriend who her company hosted events. I could work for them for maybe like two or three hours, maybe two or three times a month and and get a you know, good amount of cash. And then I do the scooter thing. I found that, you know, was a way to make money. And then I started getting into stocks and you know, other things that could help me just generate any type of income. But then I started doing a lot of work for free when it came to designing just to get some sort of like portfolio so I could get at least a couple of clients because a lot of that was, you know, hey, you haven't done anything. So how do I know your your skill set? So I needed to, you know, really build out my portfolio. And that's probably, you know, that whole 2020 was just me doing that. And I gave myself until the end of the year, I was like, if I don't, if I'm ever at a point where in the next, you know, month, I'm not going to be able to pay rent, well, then 
I need a, my backup plan was to just start, you know, Ubering or lifting until I found a job or found some way money can start coming in. And so to me, to, to give any type of feedback would be just, you have to, you know, when you go on the entrepreneur journey, it's, yeah, it's about hustle and it's about all that, but it's about passion around what you want to do and your dream around what you want to do. And so if you're really passionate about that, you're really going to do whatever you can to keep afloat. I kind of relate it to like looking at your kids or having kids. Like I don't have any yet, but when I do, I'm going to do anything I can to make sure that they grow up to have the best life ever. Right. So it's the same thing when I feel like on this journey, it's like whatever you can do to make sure that you can keep going towards this dream. Because if you don't, to me, if you don't do it as soon as you can, you're never going to be able to do it. You know, I'm blessed that I started to do this in my early 20s, then in my late 30s, you know, because as you get older, there's more and more responsibility and it gets a lot harder to, you know, try to succeed with your dreams. And that's pretty much that's pretty much all. I mean, just figuring it out. Honestly, you just got to figure it out. It sounds it sounds uh, simple, but there's only a certain amount of time in the day. And what, what do I give my attention to? So it's just like calculating how much you need each month and not spending money on clothes and, you know, just like not living your best life. But it's all for the passion that you have to build something or to do something that you want to do for the rest of your life. Great advice. Thank you. AJ, what is the number one habit that you would say an early entrepreneur should build into the way they do things? to prepare themselves for what the entrepreneurship journey requires? Oh, that's a good question. Off the top of my head, I would probably say consistency. You know, you're waking up every day uh, without a boss or anyone telling you what to do. Uh, So your time is valuable and you need to make sure that you are being consistent each day with what you do with your time. It's very easy to just not want to do anything at all or, you know, work just a regular nine hour day or eight hour day. You, you have to look at it where this is a long journey. This isn't going to happen overnight. You're in for the long run, one to, you know, one to three years, however long it, it's going to take. But along with being consistent, you, you know, you have to be you have to make sure you're budgeting consistently. You're learning consistently every day. You're pushing yourself every day. You know, you're making money. You're trying to make money every day. It's so many things you have to be consistent with, because if you're just, you know, learning one day a week and then trying to, you know, get something off the ground, it's you're not really improving your skill set to put you know more of your skill into the business you're trying to get off the ground. So I think it's a lot of just being consistent with just everything you do every day. Mm, absolutely. I'm guessing the consistency is what will lead to that momentum. Because if you don't have if you don't build that up to get to momentum, it'll take you a very long, long time. And I feel like as an entrepreneur, the longer you take to do something to build something to get momentum the more also you can also get discouraged just because mm-hmm. you're failing to input that. AJ, what is the number one book that you would say for an early entrepreneur or the book that you read that you felt was a game changer for you? Another good question. All right. So me personally, my favorite book, and just because it's my idol, but uh, Steve Jobs' biography, definitely getting an insight on the whole Apple story and him actually getting kicked out of his company and then still persevering and being able to come back and take it to places that no business has ever been and then creating products that are just groundbreaking like the iPhone and all that. It not only motivated me, but it, it made me realize that you could, like anything can really happen. I mean, you can really just do anything. I don't want anyone to think that their dreams are impossible to achieve. I mean, this guy really invented a, a touch phone that no one ever thought 
would be invented. He invented the app store and all these other things we use every day. So it was just really cool to see a human being be able to do that and really change change the world. Um, and I highly suggest it. Uh, thank you for that. You know, when I think of the life of Steve Jobs too, or maybe it's a tech thing that mm-hmm. you dream of something that doesn't exist. The process of building your own idea and making it into a product. You know, for our audience that's listening, what is step number one that you feel kind of helps a person to bring idea to product? What was your step number one looking back? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Step number one would be, um, for me, I I wrote down the whole product and, you know, in my notes, I I explained, you know, everything, what I was trying to achieve with it, what what it solves. Um, You obviously want to obviously find your problem, but really just writing the whole thing down. And then what I actually started doing is creating sketches around the product of what I thought it would, it would look like uh, just to get something on paper so that you can kind of start visualizing, you know, that product coming to life. And if you have, you know, the scope of the project, like what you want it to do and how you want, how you want it to work. And then some sort of design related to that scope, if you know how to code, I mean, you can get to work, but if you don't, you can hire someone like myself or, you know, other developers out there a lot easier than just coming to them like, hey, I have an idea because there's a lot that goes on, on within an app. You know, I mean, you know, people are like, I want people to be able to log in my app. But, you know, I would follow up that question with, well, how do you want them to log in? You know, like specifics like that. Is it through social accounts or is it manually through email and password? You know, so there's just like different things that, you know, you need to understand, but you don't because a lot of people aren't technical. So I would definitely start with just the base, you know, write everything down around the product and then design some of it. And then I would focus on two to three core features of your product that you feel like differentiates yourself and focus on getting that to market. AJ, I'm going to take you back a little bit because you mentioned how you switched the way you were doing things from being a person you know, designing an app to get investors, which I think is typically the route that people think about, to designing an app for business. Mm. Like, what is the key? Like, how do you build a business behind an app? That's what I'm thinking. A lot of times you think of an app and you think about getting tons and tons of money to build it up. Now, as an individual with limited resources, how do you build the business behind an app? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's the number one question right there. So, uh, yeah, to start, I was doing it, what you said, originally I was doing the whole, I, I, you know, I want to raise money, whatever. Um, and then my, my app's going to be successful. But what I want to encourage people to do is build the app, you know, like you said, as a business and as a business, the main goal is to make money. So when you're creating your app idea, you have to figure out a way to make money right away. In Clava, here's an example of Clava, right? So when a talent goes live in Clava and a fan joins that live, not only does that talent make money, but so do we. So we take a split of the user that joins that live and now we're making money right away. And we're and we're a legitimate business. We don't need to rely on funding. I mean, obviously funding would be great, but you need to make sure that when you're building an app, building a community is very hard. It's very hard to build a community. Get something off the ground with no money. And then you're mainly gonna wanna spend most of your money for developers to create your product especially if you're not a technical, a technical person. So honestly, it just, it just really comes down to having a sound business plan on how quickly you can make money from your product. And then you have to just think about like at the same time, are people going to pay for your product? You know, and if they are, why? 
you know, like, why are people going to pay for exclusive lives in Calava? Well, the talents in Calava are doing things you're not going to get access to anywhere else. You know, people are following these talents for a reason. That's just what it comes down to. Before 2020, I was just like, oh, I'm going to launch this app. It's going to it's going to blow up. But it's so saturated. You need some sort of stickiness or or traction for an app to really start to blow up. So why not figure out a way to make money so you can continue to you know stay afloat and not worry about funds? So you use the term stickiness and traction terms for that space. Mm-hmm. What does stickiness really mean? Yeah. So great question. So stickiness is like, you know, how many times users are coming back to the app? You know, the higher the stickiness, the more users are coming back every day, the more retention you have, the more power you have as a product. You know, traction could be as much as a 5,000 user community or launching your app or generating revenue for the first time. Uh, those are just some some little examples of, of, of those two words. So when you're reaching, building a community, how are you reaching people? Like you've got Clava, you've built it up now and you want people to use it. Are you posting on social media? Like how are you building the community app if someone yeah, wants question. to go on Clava? Yeah, you got great questions. <laughs> um, so for one, uh, yeah, we're posting on social media. We, we don't have a ton of following yet, but we're, we're trying to build that. Luckily, I have two things in my corner and that's when we do launch the product, the good news about Clava, which I highly suggest thinking about when it comes to your app idea is the virality effect. And the virality effect is, you know, how fast can this product grow and how can you get it to go viral, right? So in Clava's aspect, we have talents that have massive communities that are going to be hosting lives Mm -hmm. in Clava. They're already promoting it to people. So at most at a live, in one live, they can give Clava a thousand new users, right? Because only a thousand people can join our lives. So they're promoting the product for us, right? Then luckily when we do launch, we also have a investment firm, a VC firm that uh, has given us a term sheet or term sheet is like a deal for startups that investors give. And their deal is, you know, we'll market the product for you because we want to see if this business idea is actually, you know, viable or it can work. And if it can, they will give us, you know, the funding we want and we can continue to move. But um, if not, at least we get a nice trial test of a firm that is experienced in marketing, which is something we are lacking. And they can drive what we need, which is talents and other users. On top of that, we're also reaching out to talents individually via email. So a lot of the times it's just me emailing people. They respond if they're interested, jump on a call, add them to our list. And that's that. But the good thing about Kava, like I said earlier, our talents are pretty much promoting the product for us. So it can buy us time until we get some some more money for, for marketing ourselves. Wow. This is just brilliant. I think our audience that is listening is going to be mind blown. The amount oh. of work and the thought and the way you've attacked everything from every angle, your journey is it's truly remarkable. Thank you. AJ, I always finish by asking people this question. What has faith meant to you along your journey? Oh, man, uh, a lot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's been some great times, some down, some bad times. And uh, when it comes to faith, it's just, to me, trusting, trusting the, the journey uh, that he's putting you through. And if you trust that journey, your, your next responsibility is just to give 100% effort, you know, and trust that, you know, the man upstairs has your back and, you know, your loved ones that are up there as well have your back and just do, try as hard as you can. At the end of the day, if, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If not, God's going to lead you to another journey. And to me, he's been crucial 
uh, you know, talking to him during the tough times and, you know, giving me the strength to just sometimes I just never really wanted to wake up and I feel I'm motivated. But I always look at the grand scheme of things. And the one quote I love is and obviously there's other faiths out there, but, you know, I'm Christian. But the, the, the biggest one is he'll, he'll never put you through something that you can't handle, no matter how bad it might seem for your life. There's always someone that's going through something way worse. And so I try to keep it as positive and trustworthy um, as I can when things are rough. And I always go back to him and talk to him as much as I can. But he's been good to me. I, and I can't I can't deny that. And I'm just hoping it, it, the blessings continue to happen. I'm sure they will. Thank you so much for being with us, AJ. And thank you for sharing so candidly in a way that I'm sure is going to really help our audience and truly bless them with your journey. Thank you. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do share it and leave a review. Let us know how we can serve you better and connect with us on social media, on Instagram and on our Facebook page at Reinventing Perspectives. We'd love to connect with you. Also, do check out our latest book, The Christian Entrepreneur's Toolkit. It's available on Amazon.com. Thank you again for taking the time to listen in. Have a great day.